Welcome to the office, everyone. This is Andrew DeLulo. Christian Liestrom requesting permission to buzz the tower. <laughs> uh, looks like you're coming in hot today. We are Amusing Council, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Christian's favorite thing again. Westminster democracy. So cool. And the weird stuff that happens when uh, Westminster democracies remove tools from their toolbox. Uh, this is all inspired by the recent events on, uh, or just in New Brunswick. And uh, just because it's a real opportunity to talk about the, the weird stuff that happens. Uh, we really enjoy doing this podcast. We hope you enjoy listening. Until next time. Thanks, folks. So, Andrew, as I'm sure you're aware, there's been a lot of news happening lately. Yeah, it's almost like something new is happening every single day and we're being told about every it. Every single second of every single day. Well, I've got a piece of news for you that you may or may not have caught. Okay. Uh, did you hear that New Brunswick recently had their provincial election? Yeah, a surprising one. I did. Oh, so, so you did see the results then? Yeah. Uh, I mean, the results were still a little bit in flux uh, when uh, I got the news alert about them, but uh, it was an unprecedented result in, in terms of, uh, you know, New Brunswick election. Yeah. Well, it's a very interesting result and I'm going to sort of just go... What I'm going to do is I'm going to use this election to sort of talk a little bit about some other stuff ancillary to what we discussed in our Westminster Democracies podcast. Right, because sort of when when things happen the way they've always been happening, we don't think about uh, like the way our system can enable some really weird alternate results. Yeah, some strange things can happen in Westminster Democracies, and we're going to talk a little bit about voting and, and how voting leads to these messy situations. So yeah. for all you folks out there... Are, are we going to get into why maybe we shouldn't have first past the post? Uh, or... oh, I mean, I could if we start down that road, Andrew, we're going to be here all week. I, I don't know if I can okay, let myself... Okay, proportional representation will be for another day. Let's some talk about some kind of proportional representation will come up. It may come up perforce here but okay so what happened in the new brunswick elections basically is all right so they've got what is it a 40, stunning collapse of the liberal party hegemon um <laughs> a stunning well the ndp won zero seats which is also sort of not expected yeah. to happen yeah uh, but what we've got here is this classic situation where other in other westminster democracies you mm -hmm. might call it a hung parliament yes we don't it. we don't call it that here in canada we've got it, we call it a minority government but what's interesting in the case of what's happened in new brunswick is that it is unclear whose minority government is going to be. Right. Oh, because uh, you're going to have two different potential premiers walking to the governor general's office asking for the right to form the government. Right. So it's like, it's so weird. As everybody, uh, as everybody here will remember, if you, you know, remember your civics from high school or if you listen to our earlier podcast, once uh, a parliament has been called, then whoever the leader of the majority party in the House mm -hmm. is will typically be the one who is asked by the lieutenant governor or the governor general at the federal level mm -hmm. to form a government because the government is separate from parliament, made up of parliamentarians, yes. but a separate entity. What's happened in New Brunswick is, um, it's been a while since there's something in Canada where I heard a lot of political experts say, we have no idea what happens next. But this last week and a half, it's there have been- so cool. I love been, uncertainty. Yeah, awesome, right? This is exactly how electoral politics should work. So what happened, I'm going to read out the results here. Yeah. The PCs, the Progressive Conservatives, won 22 seats. Okay, so the, it was 22 at the end of it. The Liberals won 21. Okay. All right. So, well, that's easy. 22 is bigger than 21. Ah, ah, yes. I now add to the stew six more seats. Ah, okay. So if you do the math in your head, uh -oh. you've got... You've got pluralities, but nobody has... Bingo. We have three green seats, and we have three seats for the People's Alliance. Okay. Now... We here in Canada get kind of squirrely and nervous when we talk about minority governments, because unlike a lot of other places where these happen, other parliamentary democracies with a constitutional monarch, 
like a Sweden or, you know, something like that. Yes. We don't have a really robust culture of 15 parties and they're shifting alliances. And, yeah. you know, if, you, if you're talking about like, let's say the Dutch parliament or the German parliament or the Italian parliament. Sure. Yeah. They're, they're super happy doing a lot of uh, horse trading after the election to try yeah. to figure out who's going to run the government. Right. The, the, the eventual majority is developed as a coalition, an alliance yeah. between parties who are much more narrow focused in their issues, typically speaking. Right. This is not the case in Canada. You can look at the three major parties federally and you can sort of tell... tell they, have, they have complete comprehensive platforms on every area. Right. Yeah. It's not, you know, we don't have, like, for example, the Swedish Pirate Party who were holders of the balance of power at some time in the early 2000s. Yeah, I remember that. So, that was actually really funny. Very fondly. But what we've got here or is... the a perennial case. protest rhino party. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but so what happened in this New Brunswick election, so out of these 40... Uh, three, six, seven, 49 seats. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't make, nobody can make the 25 that you'd need. Right. Um, so, so nobody by right has, uh, a government. Correct. Yeah. The, uh, without knowing, I mean, I, this is just something I've only been reading up on the last mm -hmm. week or so without knowing all the features on the ground, you've got two parties, uh, who are sort of the traditional sort of center of, of political power, right? The, yep. the PCs and liberals, uh, both of whom expect to be able to form a government, the green party notionally would seem to be more along the lines of liberals. Yeah. At least in most jurisdictions in Canada. Yeah. They're, they're certainly closer to the liberal party than they are to the uh, progressive conservative. Party. Sure. So and then there's this people's Alliance, which is, has won three seats. Mm -hmm. And while I don't know much about them, I think it's safe to say that they're mostly sort of a populist right party that has like a, a sort of narrow focus on like language issues and there's some other there are there are a fair number of language issues in new brunswick that yeah. have a, a large francophone uh culture yes um so i mean just back of the envelope math here 22 plus 3 makes 25 yes but 21 plus 3 makes 24 which means that if the liberals were to try and form a government they would need to align themselves with two parties that are not ideologically different. very far apart yes so the, this is this is why this is all very interesting and i'm going to say at the top here like I, like i said earlier political scientists who've been queried about this are very much i don't know like the actual mechanism of how this is going to happen because technically what happens is the government that's in charge mm -hmm. um in, in an election they are sort of running things until the next government is formed Normally yeah. what happens, uh, sorry, when I say normally, sorry, wait, we could just have a minority party. Like nobody has a, uh, one person has a plurality. Nobody has 25. Sure. Right? But if that happens, then it would be up to the other three parties to sort of arrange this coalition that, right. They'd have to actually do the job of, because, oh, oh, wait, because it's an unstable. Government. Yeah. Because it's unstable. And in these unstable situations, uh, the small parties who hold that balance of power, are the ones who go back and forth, to, you know, to the two leading parties and say, oh. what concessions can I extract to, you know, so, build this consensus? Right. So it's either official, like we join you and we, we stake our flag in the ground beside yours, or it's more, okay, we'll let you be the minority party. But if you step wrong in these ways, then you lose a yeah, vote and right. you get swept out. Well, yeah, because uh, as I said before, yeah. uh, as we said in the earlier Westminster Democracies platform, uh, podcast, there's two, there's really two basic ways this can go. Either the legally mandated sort of regular election period mm. or what we call a snap election, right. which is when the government, uh, calls the election or if they lose a, a vote of no, a vote of confidence in right. the house and a vote of confidence, there are a bunch of different ones, but generally Budget. speaking, it's anything to do with dollars and cents. Yeah. If the government wants to spend money and the house says, 
nuh-uh, then, well, presumably they've lost the confidence of the House. Yeah. An election is called. And whoever ru runs the House, and usually it's fairly clear. This is why these are kind of edge cases in Canada. Mm -hmm. Usually mm -hmm. we have a fairly good idea of how the, the parties are going to break down, whose party holds the sort of right of way in terms of going to the governor general, lieutenant governor to have them given the mandate, which right. is what I'll come back to in a little while, yeah, yeah, to yeah. form the government. So this, uh, so if you want, you're looking for something to, to watch with a uh, curious eye developing politics in Canada, the New Brunswick election is aftermath to be very interesting. And it harkens back to one of my favorite political crises. I mean, do you, I don't know if I want to call it a crisis. <laughs> Your favorite political crisis. Uh, one, of, one, of, one of the funny, one of the, my favorite fun things that's happened in Canadian democracy, which was the prorogation in 2009 of Canada's federal parliament. Do you remember that at all? Uh, or 2008 to 2009. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I do right. remember, but I don't remember. Well, I guess I don't know why it's your favorite because as far as I recall, it was just kind of a flash in the pan. You're right. Well, it was, it's my favorite because it shows kind of Canadian democracies. What's the best word to use here? Uh, timidity when it comes to coalitions. Ah, okay. I don't know if you remember how well you remember the way this all played out, but this was a result was basically the Harper government at the time. They'd won the election in, on, in October, I think it was. And only a few weeks later, they presented this budget. Yes. And this budget was not something that the NDP or the liberals would were willing to countenance. Yeah, um, I do remember that. Yeah, right. It would, it was pretty far beyond the pale. Um, I mean, it, it was even on sort of the outer edge of the Harper government's own ideological right uh, alignment. Like it was just, it was weird. It was out of right. Field. It was it was a strange budget to present when yes. you had a minority government, which yes. is what they won. I think they had, I don't remember the seat numbers. I, I couldn't pull that out from memory, but but the, they had a minority. Government. Yeah, by yeah. by like a by like a dozen seats or something. Mm -hmm. The NDP and the Liberals banding together, and at that time the uh, the the Quebecois. Which, which I always forget this. Which is the federal one and which is the provincial? Parti or Bloc? Bloc, Bloc Québécois is, is federal. Right. I always forget this. Anyway, yeah. so the Bloc Québécois was a part of this. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of what drove, I think, a lot of Canadians' difficulty in accepting this thing that is, frankly, a totally accepted feature of most constitutional monarchies that have a similar style to the Westminster system. Right. So what happened there, the NDP under Jack Layton and the federal liberals under Stéphane Dion made public pronouncements to the effect of, well, it, it leaked first, but they yeah. didn't, they did make public pronouncements to the effect of, we're going to bring this government down with this budget. Right. And we're, we're going to make sure that they do not get the, the votes they need. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to have another, have another, uh, yeah, have another election and yeah. uh, make sure the people know that their mandate to govern was not sufficient to meet the needs of parliament as a whole of the right. house of commons. Right. And what was interesting about what happened after that was the prorogation. And I don't know if you remember this. Basically, it was uh, Stephen Harper using his technically legal, technically correct, the mm -hmm. best kind of correct yeah. ability to say, <laughs> so just sort of, quote unquote, hang parliament, just put it on pause for a little while. He went into yeah. the, uh, the the uh, governor general's office, uh, Michel Jean at that time. Yeah. The, the analogy is almost like a government shutdown down in the States. Very much the when same they, thing. When yeah. they fail to fund their government, the government shuts down. Right. So this is a similar situation. Yeah. So before the... Before, in a much more parliamentary way. Yeah. So before this... Uh, one of the things that you sort of learn when you read all, all this stuff, the word parliamentary is very loaded. Oh my uh, God. So It doesn't loaded. mean... It, folks, it doesn't just mean pertaining to the government. It means pertaining to the procedural rules that the government works on for some darn reason we don't exactly know. Mm -hmm. uh, so he went in, uh, Harper went into uh, the governor general and said, I'd like to 
press pause, please, yeah. before we get to a vote on this budget. Because the budget, it was known, was yeah. going to not meet the uh, required number of votes to pass. And it was a terrible political calculation on his part because he should have realized that presenting a budget like that would have inspired the exact same response. Like, that's what minority governments are meant to be cognizant of. Yeah. That their rule is contingent on the good grace of the opposition parties because if the opposition parties team up, it's almost like... Um, a Mount Olympus situation. Yeah. Zeus is more powerful than any of the gods, but he's not more powerful than all of the gods. Right. Now you say terrible political calculation. I'm going to go ahead and say, I don't know if I agree because at the end of the day, what happened? Well, he got his prorogation. Yeah. Right. So. And the, what he calculated this based on was the fact that the liberals and the NDP could, or at least one of them could be bought because they wouldn't have the stomach to go through with trying to sell this uh, this coalition government to Canada, or they didn't think they could. Yeah, I guess in my mind, it's almost there's a division there. Like it's not a it's not a purely political political calculation because he he had to make a personal evaluation of the Liberal NDP party leaders. Sure. Yeah. There's that. Right. Um, and but that is also politics because as we've said previously, all things are politics. Yeah. And party <laughs> discipline matters big yeah. time. And. Yeah. Well, what happened was the Liberal Party was undergoing a, an amount of turmoil. As mm -hmm, I recall, mm -hmm. Stéphane Dion had already lost, had already basically, his political career was basically on life support anyway, and he was just yeah. right there as a caretaker leader. Yes. Uh, you might remember, if you remember this episode, you might remember uh, Stéphane Dion putting out a uh, dreadfully poorly produced, produced video message to the people of Canada that just sort of made it look like he was a, a lame duck prime, a lame duck head of the Liberal Party. Do you remember this? Uh, I remember it being, it had sort of the tone and tenor of a hostage video. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's the one. You remember it. Yeah. So what happened was the Liberals, once prorogation ended and the Parliament sat back at the end of January in, 20, in 2009, yeah. the Liberals broke ranks with the supposed coalition and said they would help pass the budget. And why did this happen? You know, it's almost the equivalent of uh, stopping to tie your shoe in a soccer match just to take the wind out of the other side's sails. Yeah, or you know, rolling around on the pitch for a little bit to get yeah. the uh, referee just, to... just to get their momentum, throw them off their game a little bit. Yeah, That's pretty much what they did. Yeah, it's 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 really it's yeah. really great. And it, okay, you're actually selling me on this. Like, I'm much more excited about this the more you talk me. Well, I, I think for me, it's it's a similar analogy, but at a hockey game, it's like, well, yeah, you've been out for a long shift. You've iced the puck. You can't get your guys off the ice. Oh, uh, my skate blade broke, and I've got to go over to the bench. What are you going to do? What's the ref going to do? Right. right. So you've bought yourself 30 seconds of breather time. So in that breather time, the horse trading happened. The liberals decided we're going to go along with this. And they Hooray, liberals. Yay. Good job, liberals. You always compromise at the right times. And jeez. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, we got we got what we got, which was a uh, progressive, or sorry, not progressive conservative. They were just C conservative at that yeah. point. And a conservative federal government uh, right up until Justin Trudeau. And what they correctly surmised, mm -hmm. and I saw this happen on my Facebook feed, and I saw this happen on Twitter, and I saw this happen all over the place, was capitalizing, as I said, on the Canadian electorate's uh, fear, distaste, distaste fear, yeah. whatever, for this completely legitimate concept of parliamentary uh, rule, parliamentary governance. Interesting. Because... So, so yeah. I mean, this is the part that kind of escaped my attention. You're actually saying that the general public sentiment was it was sort of offside or improper for two opposition parties to state their oppositions. Uh, that was it. Well, part of it, it's to, more to state their combined opposition. Sure, it, and it's more complicated. It's it's more complicated the less abstract you get. The fact of the Bloc Québécois being involved 
made it immediately uh, toxic. Because then you have the separatists. Immediately yeah. toxic, especially out west, right? Yes. Western alien. This being Canada, Western alienation is still a thing. Not as much as it was, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. it's still a thing. And even if you t- look back ten years, right, the state of Quebec sovereignty as a movement, as a political position, was much stronger and more at the forefront of everybody's mind. It's one of those things True. that seems to recede year over year. But, but it was the election just shortly after this event that had the stunning NDP takeover of the Quebec ridings, was it not? Uh, this was no. right after they'd, they'd uh, kicked in a bunch of doors in Quebec. Right. This okay. was Leighton's, right, Leighton's big right. Leighton's, orange yes, wave, orange right. crush, I'm right? Sorry. Yes, you're right. Yeah, yes. so the Bloc, but the Bloc Québécois still had sufficient power in Quebec to be a broker and to prop up this coalition. They were required. Yeah. And I was looking into some of the promises that were, I mean, Basically, they committed their support on all confidence motions in the House Uh, under a combined liberal NDP government, right? Okay. So the way that worked was they'd have, they'd have freed, they were free to vote their conscience on anything else, but under the terms of the arrangement, Gilles Duceppe, then leader of the bloc, said, anything that would bring this government down, we will back you on. Because they saw the, the Harper conservatives as their natural enemy. I mean, you couldn't find more natural enemies than the the block under Duceppe, you know, social democratic, yeah. sovereignist Quebec, and you know, rising Western center of power, Stephen Harper running out of Calgary Center. Yeah, you couldn't I mean, find more yeah, natural. The, <laughs> yeah, the story writes itself. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Interesting. And and in fact, one of the things that was uh, Elizabeth May, who even then was the leader of the Green Party, mm-hmm. um, and who I I'm going to take I. I love her because I love people who really are, love parliamentary tactics. That's yeah, she, she is a huge parliamentarian pro- nerd. She's a process nerd, and I love it. Yeah. Uh, but she came out and she directly said, the Greens will support this coalition. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things, I don't know exactly how, like, whether this now was How many seats do they have? Three? At, at that point, I think it was three, something yeah. like that. But uh, I don't know how sub Rosa this was supposed to be, but it has since come out through whatever channel that... Uh, it was being kicked around that she would get a Senate appointment as a result of this. It's kind of like a, a treat. I don't know that she, I don't think she asked for it. I think I, she, I heard nothing she, about that. She, I don't even sure she'd take it. I don't think she would have either. I but think she, I think she absolutely loves being a, yeah, she a wants federal to be, party leader. Yeah. Rabble rouser gets to stand in the house of commons. She gets her, uh, she gets her question once every, however many sittings and she makes it a good one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, so that, that situation sort of showed something that is naturally possible under the system we have, mm-hmm. but that most people don't like because I think they don't quite understand what the parliamentary body actually is. Do you think our because our expectations have been shaped by our close proximity to American politics? I believe that that's part of it. I mean, when you talk, even Americans don't often think about the Electoral College. I mean, it takes something like Bush v. Gore, to get the electoral college forefront of everybody's mind. Right. right. And then that happened and they fixed all the problems of the electoral college and everything's great now. Yeah. Everything's perfect. Right. It's working as designed. Remembering of course, the reason the electoral college exists was to protect slave owning states. It's fundamentally anti-democratic. Yeah, of course. Um, but that's the, there are many kinds of democracy. Right. True. Yeah. And it's anti-democratic in the way we think of democracy, which is more of a direct vote kind of democracy. When in fact, the electoral college is a mediating influence between the two and it's it's trite to say but when people say oh you know when the ancient Athenians invented democracy sure they did as long as those demos who were represented were the wealthy yeah. land-owning males well even the roman republic which the american uh, the u.s democracy is consciously oh, yeah. we're not a uh, democracy we're a republic but yeah it, it's that. consciously designed after they had the the publicans and the plebeians i think no the patricians and the plebeians yeah right yeah and so you know, there all kinds of special uh favors and Positions were bestowed upon senators. It was the Roman Republic and later Empire were 
among the most classist societies ever to hold sway over any significant portion of the globe. Right. And so here we are in the Canadian version, Canadian edition of Westminster democracy, a subtype of constitutional monarchy yes. based on a parliamentary system. And we don't do in Canada something that almost every other one of these similar systems does. So does, I mean, I guess the, the question is, is, is a cool, interesting factoid, but does it hobble us in any way? Or is it only when a New Brunswick situation happens that we see the weakness of not having this tool in our toolbox? Well, it's not a tool in our toolbox because we're in this sort of weird midway point between what the Americans are and what the rest of the world is. Mm -hmm. There are, I mean, when you think of two-party states, the U.S. is the big example, right? Yeah, oh yeah. And when you think of multi-party states, I, you know... Well, I, I always think of Germany. Yeah, Germany, like, yeah, the Northern European democracies, where we are a little bit more similar to the UK in that we yeah. have, you know, they've got, what, three really major parties? Well, maybe two. The Liberal Democrats kind of been run, yeah. run out of... Well, uh, and, and they're, they're lovely uh, protest parties. Yeah, you yeah. Always, you always have the, uh, the you know, whiz-bang fizz widgets. Or yeah, the, the somewhat under. unsubtle protest votes. But yeah. uh, in Canada, we the way our political order has shaken out, We've got these three, essentially three really serious contenders at the federal level. And when one of them, in, uh, the New Brunswick situation is interesting because one of these mainline political positions, i.e. the the medium to far left, mm -hmm. as represented by the NDP, has been completely hollowed out. I Again, I don't know the politics on the ground in New Brunswick. I don't know quite how that happened. But when one of these sort of three positions is kicked out from underneath the, the stool. The people who would be part of that position, they, they sort almost randomly and the result can be unexpected. Yeah, well, not yeah, you say almost randomly and it, it can definitely feel like that. I mean, we just lived through an election here in Ontario where yeah. essentially, where the Liberal Party sort of... If just you can to, call it living. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Where the Liberal Party didn't just roll over... It, it, somehow both rolled over and died and spoiled the, everything for the rest of us with the smell of its corpse. Right. I, I, it's, that's, I'm, I'm, it's got layers on it, but, but tell us how you really feel. I, I, I'm a little unhappy about it, but when, when a political position gets hollowed out, you get sometimes very unpredictable results. Right. When, because you don't know what people's second choice is. Right. And so this is and part is of rational. Right. And this is part of well, why no, it's rational, but is it expected? Sure. Yeah. And so one of the things that we, one of the sort of basic things that we do in Canada that a lot of countries now don't do anymore yeah. is first past the post voting. Yes. This and is this kind of been, I mean, this was a plank in the uh, federal liberals. Yes. Platform. And we're going to go into this more deeply later once, you know, we really feel like spending 20 minutes talking about the technicalities of various different systems. Yeah. But as a rule, first past the post is not great uh, as an electoral method. Yeah. It tends to defeat voters expectations. Yes. Not necessarily their will, but their expectations and causes the governments. It produces governments that the voters don't expect and therefore feel are less legitimate than what they'd get under other voting systems. Yes. And what most frustrates me about the idea of first past the post, as at least as it's been floated in BC and Ontario uh, some number of years ago, like 2002, I think we yeah. were talking about it here. But what it does is I, you can really tell the strength of a proposition by what the counter arguments are that are, that are offered by its mm -hmm. opponents. And the, main counter argument I see to ch moving off of first past the post yeah. is it's too complicated. And secondary to that, it should just be one man, one vote. 
which are both deeply disingenuous ways of dealing with the problem. Are we going to turn into uh, an electoral voting system nerd podcast? Uh, I would love to do it just one time. And okay. I know a couple of people I'd like to have on for that. I'll talk to them. But but basically having a first past the post system where, in a, especially in a three part, it makes perfect sense if there's really only two parties. Yeah. Right. Of yeah. course. But uh, when, as soon as you have multiple options, it makes sense that everybody's going to have a different internal ranking of those options. Sure. And if everyone's going to say, well, if I can't get my first choice, I'd rather have my second choice. But everybody's second choice is going to be different, even if their first choices are largely the same. Right. And that can lead to radical swings, such as what we've seen here in New Brunswick, where I'm sure there are an awful lot of, uh, well, the NDP only garnered, I'm looking at here at the results, they garnered about 19,000 votes out of a grand total of, just doing the math here very quick in my head, about... 350, 300, yeah, somewhere between three and 400,000 votes. Uh, not particularly strong performance, but it's an open question how many of those people who voted for other parties would have preferred an NDP individual get a seat as opposed to People's Alliance Green or Liberal or PC. We just don't know. Very interesting. And these are things, these are the things that we miss, we lose out on in our uh, democracy uh, when we hew to methods that, frankly, the rest of the world has mostly moved on from. Right. The, so, whole, the whole idea is we want a voting system that would ideally let voters express their preferences more completely and thoroughly. Right. And, and one man, one vote in first past the post does not. Or Sorry, I'm not saying we have multiple votes per man yeah. or woman, but the idea is that vote can have so much more information than it currently does. Right. And this is, I mean, a lot of people listening to this will remember what a prominent plank it was in Justin Trudeau's uh bid for government in the last yeah. election true truly a disappointment which is and it's it's yeah i could it, talk about it, that for a while. well anyway I, but, but, but you yeah. know what i think that is definitely a topic for another podcast. yeah but but just as a as a very short sort of like that's you know you've probably seen voting systems like this elsewhere in your life uh i think most parties at most levels of government use different systems than first past yeah. the post yeah uh even, even our uh own internal party uh voting when you're voting for a leader yeah there's been I mean, Andrew Scheer came to power on a uh, instant runoff voting system. Right, instant runoff. It was runoff. not too complicated for the uh, party members of the uh, Progressive Conservatives. Right. Uh, the point is, there's just a lot of different systems. There, there are systems that uh, appoint members of parliament proportionally to the total vote. Mm -hmm. There are systems that try and take into account regionality. And at the, you know, at the municipal level, there's been an ongoing push for a number of years by a number of different advocacy organizations to allow for a ranked ballot which very is another method of of like you say apportioning your expectations but i just want to talk very briefly about like what a minority government is how we get there and uh that's that's all i wanted to add, just a little uh annex to our our talk on the westminster democracies very cool stuff okay but that's enough for today uh we'll be sure to be back next week with more uh thank you to our producer michael i always can't be doing this without him and thanks to you for listening remember you can leave comment for us wherever you find us on the internet soundcloud facebook twitter wherever that's comment uh and don't forget to like us share us and enjoy this and all of our other fine podcasts thanks for letting me ramble on this one for a bit <laughs>